Hello, and welcome to the season two premiere of Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm Emily Lenore. And I'm Victoria Horn. On this episode of Between the Stacks, Halloween, plus our segments V's Versus, a round of book speed dating, and Ask a Librarian. But first, some announcements. There's a small book sale inside the library currently located by our computer section. All books are free or by donation. Storytime is back. Catch Miss Katie every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live for fun songs, stories, and rhymes. And the next big library read will be held November 1st through 15th. Patrons can borrow the ebook or audiobook of Five Total Strangers by Natalie D. Richards on Libby or Overdrive with no wait times. Okay, for our next segment, the October Book Order. And Victoria is kind of in charge of that now. So, what do you have for us for this October? Got a lot of good stuff. So, in adult nonfiction, we have a title from James Patterson, <laughs> friend of the podcast. Yes, noted, noted friend, James um, Patterson. <laughs> ER Nurses, True Stories from America's Unsung Heroes. We also have titles from well-known public figures, Jane Goodall, Ron Howard, Barack Obama, and Katie Couric. In Bruce Springsteen. Obama and Bruce Springsteen have collaborated on the new title. Um, in adult fiction, we have a bunch of holiday books from Donna Andrews, Debbie McComber, Laura Childs, Rianne Thane, and Jenny Colgan. We have the new book, State of Terror, by Hillary Clinton and Louise Penny, a title from Alexander McCall Smith, The Joy and Light Bus Company, a couple titles from Lee Child and Stuart Woods, Claws for Alarm by Rita Mae Brown, and Once Upon a Wardrobe by Patty Callahan. And not just any wardrobe. Narnia. The wardrobe. The wardrobe. That leads to Narnia. In Spare, it seems like it's going to be a good one. <laughs> In young adult fiction, we have a feminist retelling of Snow White called Briarheart by Mercedes Lackey, and a title that I'm super excited about because I recommended that we get it at the library, Aristotle and Dante Dive into the Waters of the World by Benjamin Elire Sines, which is the highly anticipated sequel to the Prince Honor book, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. In junior fiction, we have Daughter of the Deep by Rick Riordan, Big Shot by Jeff Kinney, and How to Train Your Dad by Gary Paulson. Sounds hilarious. And in easy fiction, we have two titles from Mo Willems, Opposites Attract, and guess what? Gustavo the Shy Ghost by Flavia Z. Drago, and Gladys the Magic Chicken by Adam Rubin. Sounds like some really fun titles. They should collab and have Gladys and Gustavo. Ooh. The book. We, the we single will <laughs> request this. <laughs> Gustavo and Gladys. So, our main topic this episode is Halloween. Woohoo! Halloween is coming up pretty fast. So, we are going to be recommending some kind of scary books that you could read to celebrate or get in the spirit of Halloween. Okay, so the first book I want to recommend, I just read, and I tore through it in probably, like, 
a day and a half. It was so it was so super good. And it's called The Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix. So I'll read a quick synopsis for you. In horror movies, the final girls are the ones left standing when the credits roll. They made it through the worst night of their lives. But what happens after? Lynette Tarkington is a real-life final girl who survived a massacre. For more than a decade, she's been meeting with five of their final girls and their therapist in a support group for those who survived the unthinkable, working to put their lives back together. Then one, one woman misses a meeting, and their worst fears are realized. Someone knows about the group and is determined to rip their lives apart again, piece by piece. But the thing about final girls is that no matter how bad the odds, how dark the night, how sharp the knife, they will never ever give up. And this author, Grady Hendrix, also has other, like, kind of like scary books. Mm-hmm. Another one called Horror Store, which <laughs> is, I'll read a synopsis okay. because, like, it's, I think it's hilarious. Something strange is happening at the Orsk Furniture Superstore in Cleveland, Ohio. Every morning, employees arrive to find broken claridging bookshelves, shattered glans water goblets, and smashed Lyripip wardrobes. <laughs> Sales are down, security cameras re- reveal nothing, and store managers are panicking. To unravel the mystery, three employees volunteer to work a nine-hour dust-till-dawn shift. In the dead of night, they'll patrol the empty showroom floor, investigate strange sights and sounds, and encounter horrors that defy the imagination. Ooh. And then, obviously, I can't not recommend Abraham the Vampire Hunter, because... <laughs> We have to talk about that every single That's time. That's on brand for you, yes. So, yeah, that is scary. And also the sequel to that, The Last American Vampire, both by Seth Graham Smith. Did he write Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Yes, he did. He's uh, another great book. <laughs> if you're looking for scary, zombies, death, destruction, halloween Regency balls. And also, like, the fun dresses and, <laughs> like, dancing and, you know, all the Mr. other good Darcy, stuff. yes. I've only seen the movie. I haven't read the book. So, anyway. Okay, Victoria, do you have some books to recommend for us? I do. I have some amazing books to recommend, okay. if I do say so myself. Cool. The first one that I want to recommend, one of my absolute favorite book series that I've ever read. And I haven't read all four of them because I'm so sad that it's going to be the last one. <laughs> Friend, you don't want to get rid yeah. of it. It's like the I've last re-read, one. I've reread the first three. I like, <laughs> just never got And I have yet to finish the last one, but I will get there someday and it'll be glorious. So okay. <laughs> I'll read the synopsis for the first one, which is called The Raven Boys. So from the back book jacket. There are only two reasons a non-seer would see a spirit on St. Mark's Eve, Neve said. Either you're his true love, or you killed him. Oh, no. hate when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) It is freezing in the churchyard even before the dead arrive. Every year, Blue Sergeant stands next to her clairvoyant mother as the soon-to-be-dead walk past. Blue herself never sees them. Not until this year, when a boy emerges from the dark and speaks directly to her. His name is Gansey, and Blue soon discovers that he is a rich student at Aglianby, the local private school. Blue has a policy of staying away from Aglianby boys. Known as Raven boys, they can only mean trouble. For as long as she can remember, Blue has been warned that she will cause her true love to die. <laughs> okay, but imagine you're like five years old, and like somebody's like, hey, 
you're going to cause your true love to die. Yep. And then everyone else you ever meet just says the same thing. Like, that would be... That's literally what happens. She lives in a family oh, of, geez. like, clairvoyant ladies who all tell her the same thing over and over That's... again. If you kiss your true love, he's going to die. Oh, man. Oh, yep. well... She never thought this would be a problem, but no. I'm going to commit a murder, but I guess it doesn't matter. No, it's not on purpose. (laughs) I'm going to cause a death. No, she's never going to fall in love, so it's not a problem anymore. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess that is one way to get around it. Yeah. Just don't don't talk to anyone. (laughs) No. No boys. But then she meets these boys from this private school who are going on a quest to discover a sleeping king who is rumored to be still alive you just need to wake him and you'll get a like wish granted you want a prize yeah you you win a prize oh oh, man anything you want oh wow that's a great prize yeah so she she gets caught up with them and it's it's just so well written the world is so fantastic and she has like a way of describing events that are totally unrealistic (laughs) very realistically and it's amazing highly recommend so you can find the entire four book series in our young adult section and then i'm really not a spooky book like thriller murdery book reader no murder for you no murder for okay me. that's fine no thank you please hold the murder <laughs> <laughs> but there are a couple that have been you know more my speed one of them i read last year from one of my favorite authors stephanie perkins she writes young adult fiction and she came out with there's someone inside your which is set in no no not my house inside your house inside my house yeah yeah. Not just anybody's house, but like mine. Yours. Specifically okay. yours. All right. Well, and it's set in I think Nebraska. my mom's probably home, so I mean, <laughs> she's, she's probably there. She's probably there. Is that she the that more, might not be good. Is she using my house? Or is like, is, some, mo- is that it? Yes. Okay, that's fine. We've solved it. All right. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. There's someone in your house and it's in Nebraska. Yeah, it's set in Nebraska. So it's like a fun, you know, we can relate living among the cornfields. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, Podunk. <laughs> yes, cornfields yeah. and nowhere. It's yes. Great way to describe it. <laughs> so read it in the middle of a cornfield. Get yourself spooked out. It's a good time. And the last book I can recommend is kind of more of a like Sherlock Holmesian book. Wait, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. It's by the British... A merciless body count. <laughs> that's just what it says on the back. That's like... Yeah. That's a little... That's a little frightening. <laughs> so it's more it's a little frightening. It's your average teen slasher, like, thing, you know. Okay, when it says merciless body count, though, yeah. that sounds like every... Just like, there's nobody Everyone's left. dying around her, yeah. Like, like even she... Died. Like, there's nobody. <laughs> like, no the last the, the last page is, like, totally blank. There's, like, nobody left. Nobody's left. <laughs> like, it's a just, good ending. There's no... Well... Maybe. That'd be actually a horrible ending. But sounds no. sounds kind of frightening. A little bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, the last book that I will recommend is one that I read in my college postmodern literature class. And it's a little bit heavy, but 
It's really good. It's by uh, British author Dorothy L. Sayers, who unfortunately has passed away, but she has a series of books with the same sort of detective figure, Lord Peter Whimsey. So the book that I read, which it is part of a series, but we just read it on its own. So you really, you don't really have to read them in order. It's The Nine Tailors by Dorothy Sayers. So we don't have any of the individual Lord Peter books at Odell, but we do have a collection of the stories featuring Lord Peter in our adult fiction section under Sayers. We'd also like to recommend some other Halloween books for Halloween, like, spooky kind of books for, like, every section in the library. So, for some new adult fiction, we have Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klein, The Last House on Needless Street by Katerina Ward, and then in Young Adult, we have a new book called White Smoke by Tiffany Jackson, and Goodreads says that this book is like The Haunting of Hill House meets Get Out in this chilling young adult psychological thriller and modern take on the classic haunted house story from New York Times bestselling author Tiffany D. Jackson. Okay. In junior fiction, we have a new graphic novel retelling of Roald Dahl's The Witches, adapted and illustrated by Eisner Award winner Penelope Baggia. And the second graphic novel in the OK Witch series by Emma Steinkneller, The OK Witch and the Hungry Shadow. And in easy fiction, we have a super cute Halloween-themed book called Hardly Haunted by Jesse Seema. And then in both the easy and junior sections, we do have a specific Halloween section, and those are marked by a tag on the spine that says Halloween and has like a witch on it, riding a broomstick. It's very cute. So in Easy Fiction, some of the books we have there are Skeleton Hiccups by Marjorie Seiler. And we also have Corduroy's Best Halloween Ever, based on the character created by Don Freeman. And then for Junior Fiction, a book that will be found on the Rebecca Caudill books for this year, Spirit Hunters by Ellen O. And then in the kind of the regular stacks, Premeditated Myrtle by Elizabeth C. Bunce, and I really like the way they, it almost sounds like premeditated murder, Murder. but it's Myrtle, it's the character, it's, love it. (laughs) It looks like a really awesome book. And then a series we have in the regular stacks also is The Haunted Library by Dory Hillstead Butler. And then in junior nonfiction, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz. I think that's pretty popular among the kids yes <laughs> the kids love scary stories to tell in the dark and also we have a couple of seasonal displays going on right now miss katie created there is a halloween book display and also is fall books back in the corner in the easy fiction located near the movies <laughs> So we have a couple of new segments we're doing for this episode, and so we each decided to come up with our own idea for a segment, and then introduce them to each other on the episode. So, Victoria, what is your segment called? My segment is called V's Versus. 
Is it poetry? It is poetry. Cool, cool. <laughs> so when I was doing my bachelor's, I spent the majority of my time studying and writing poetry. And one of my post-grad goals has been to show others that poetry is an art form that truly can and should be for everyone. I know it can be a little bit intimidating and like people don't necessarily understand, but I think that good poetry is something that can be accessible to anyone. So every time we have a V's verses, I will feature a poem of my choosing, one I have written maybe, staff suggestions or submissions from you. So Send it, us poems. We'd love <laughs> to get some poems. So if you have a favorite poem or if you've written one yourself and you'd like to possibly be featured on the podcast, email me at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. So to kick us off here, I thought I would stick with the theme and read a witchy little poem I wrote for my twin last year when I did a poem every day challenge in October. So this one goes out to Sav. I feel like you're introducing a song on the radio. <laughs> this one goes out to... This one goes out to all you lovers Lonely out there. in <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> you wailed into the 13th right behind me writhing with power as deep as the purple of your wrist against my pale hand. The world was a mere scrying bowl, blood-black darkness repeating your reflection and mine behind eyelids struggling against the weight of life. Before the Shadowlands could claim me, you screamed a spell and bound your blood to it, your magic pulsing in my veins that drank deep. Thank you. I guess I could have introduced that with saying that I'm a twin and I was born first and Savannah had to take a lot of the blood, but she gave me a transfusion when we were like a couple hours old. So thanks so. Yay, life. Woo. Woo. Okay, so my segment, because I had zero ideas. I had some ideas. Okay. <laughs> This is the only idea that would like work out is book speed dating. My kind of speed. The only kind of <laughs> the speed only kind of speed dating we're up for is just yes. like books. <laughs> okay. I will ask you a single question and then I recommend you books based off of your answer. So, my question today is when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a writer. Okay, here is my suggestions for you. Victoria does not know who any of these are. I'm I've kept them a secret from her. Yes, the spines are facing away. Yes, from this me. is all very I'm secretive. Very this is very. Okay, so, okay, so I have like four adult books and then one young adult book. Sweet. So, and in all of these, the main character. So, in all of these, the main character either is a writer. Or in one of them, it's more something to do with writing. Like, she's not actually the writer. She's, like, adjacent to it. Mm, okay. okay. So the first one is The Editor by Stephen Rowley. I love this one so much. I cried when it was over. It was fantastic. So basically, this book follows James Small, who is a writer. Um, and he finally sells a novel to an editor at a major publishing house. It's Jacqueline Kennedy Anasis. 
This is also fiction, by the way. Just <laughs> letting you all know. This is, all yeah. these books are fiction. A couple of them are based on, like, true, true events. So, Mrs. Anastas has fallen in love with James' candidly autobiographical novel, which exposes his own dysfunctional family. But when the book's publication threatens to unravel already fragile relationships, both with his family and his partner, James finds that he can't bring himself to finish the manuscript. Jackie and James develop an unexpected friendship, and she pushes him to write an authentic ending, encouraging him to head home to confront the truth about his relationship with his mother. Then a long-held family secret is revealed, and he realizes his editor may have had a larger plan that goes beyond the page. Ooh. This one, this one is so good. I just, I, I love this book a lot. I, okay, I'll probably I'm read it again sometime. Going to check it out. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, my second one. This is the writer adjacent. Is called The Liar's Dictionary by Ellie Williams. Ooh, cool cover. It is very cool. It's about the dictionary. <laughs> literally. <would> thought. <laughs> literally, the dictionary. In the final year of the 19th century, Peter Winsworth is toiling away at the letter S for Swansby's multi-volume encyclopedic dictionary. Increasingly uneasy that his colleagues are attempting to corral language and regiment facts, Winsworth feels compelled to assert some sense of individual purpose and artistic freedom and begins inserting unauthorized, fictitious entries into the dictionary. In the present day, Mallory, a young intern employed by the publisher, must uncover these mount weasels, which is what is called when you put fake entries into a dictionary. A mount weasel. Before the work is digitized for modern readers, through the words and their definitions, she begins to sense the creator's motivations, hopes, and desires. More pressingly, she has to contend with threatening phone calls from an anonymous caller. Is the change in the definition of marriage, noun, really that controversial? And does the caller truly intend for the Swansby staff to burn in heck? As these two narratives combine, Winsworth and Mallory, separated by a hundred years, must discover how to negotiate the complexities of the often untrustworthy, hoax-strewn, and undefinable path that we call life. Ooh, that sounds really cool. Yes. Okay, next. I think you'll like this one a lot. Finley Donovan is Killing It by L. Cosimano. Finlay Donovan is killing it, except she's really not. A stressed-out single mom of two and a struggling novelist, Finlay finds herself in chaos. The new book she'd promised her literary agent isn't written. Her ex-husband fired the nanny without telling her. And this morning, she had to send her four-year-old to school with hair duct-taped to her head after an incident with scissors. (laughs) When Finlay is overheard discussing the plot of her new suspense novel, with her agent over lunch, she's mistaken for a contract killer and in- inadvertently accepts an offer to s- dispose of a problem husband in order to make ends meet. <laughs> Finley soon discovers that crime in real life is a lot more difficult than its fictional counterpart as she becomes entangled in a murder investigation. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the most hilarious thing ever. I think I, I was looking at that book because it's on our... Oh, it's... Yeah. It was on our new shelf like two months ago. I love it. I'm definitely reading that one. Okay. This one is one I read. Oh, shoot. I think I probably read it like when it came, first came out in 2018. Mm. It's... I love this book a lot. It's This one is also like based on true events and true people. Just like names have been changed and oh. it's not like quite the same. Is it about the mafia? Yes. <laughs> 
So this is... Oh, allegedly, this is about the mafia. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> this is called Chicago by David Mamet. From his perch at the Chicago Tribune, Mike Hodge, a scarred veteran of the Great War, had gotten to know the underbelly of, of the metropolis like few others. Politicians, gangsters, prostitutes, bootleggers, opium addicts, and jazz musicians and con artists, he's observed them all. So perhaps he should have known better when he fell for Annie Walsh, whose family was on preferred terms with those who preferred the back alley. Then again, maybe the man who killed Annie Walsh should have known better than to trifle with Mike Hodge. A big-shouldered, big-trouble thriller set up in a mobbed-up 1920s Windy City, mixing some of the most brilliant fictional creations with actual figures of the era, among them Al Capone, he explores, as no other writer can, questions of honor, deceit, devotion, and revenge. And, obviously, it is set in Chicago. <laughs> you don't say. Yes. And, obviously. Also, I cried Al when Capone. reading this book, because I just loved it a lot. And they did <laughs> one of, like, my favorite, like, Chicago, like, gangsters is Jaime Weiss. <laughs> Wait, is that the real guy? That's his real name. But okay. he appears under a different name. They yeah. all do. But anyway, another really great book. And it does talk a lot about, because the main character is a journalist. So it does talk about that he's in the newsroom a lot. So it's not like it's just some like, plot point. It's like an actual, like, part of the story. He's, like, reporting on yes. crimes. Nice. Crimes. Reporting. Yes. Sweet. Okay, this is the last book. It's a young adult book, and it's called Watch Us Rise by Renee Watson and Ellen Hagen. Hmm. Jasmine and Chelsea are best friends. This year at their New York City high school, they plan to rock the theater and poetry clubs. Until Chelsea realizes the poetry club is more interested in the classics than poems that matter, and Jasmine has an experience that is more drama than theater. Sick over the way, even their progressive school fails to listen to their voices, they start a new club, one dedicating to writing and creating work that supports women's ideas. Because art is never just art, and they know they can use their art to make a statement to create change. They turn their voices to Write Like a Girl, an outline, online outlet for essays, poems, and actions to inspire. But when Jasmine and Chelsea's work goes viral, fans and foes come out online and in real life, and the school administration, the school administration threatens to shut them down for instigating... Not willing to be silenced, Jasmine and Chelsea will risk everything for their voices and those of other young women to be heard. Watch them write their way into every future they can imagine. Ooh, that sounds... This was one of the books we got when the Friends donated a lot last year. And I've been planning on reading it, but I just haven't <laughs> been able to. But we do have it here. Books. We have all these books here in-house, so... You want to come and get them? All of them. Okay, great. I'm glad you <laughs> like them. So I say yes to all of these sweet dates. Okay, great. Wow, that was Going very on lots simple. Of dates. Yes. yes. Okay, ask librarian. No, do librarians dress up for Halloween? Yes, we do. Okay, Victoria, what's your favorite Halloween costume you've ever done? Well, or like your best or like did it win you an award? I've never won an award for a Halloween costume unfortunately. Okay. Have well, you? I have. Ooh, okay. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> okay. My favorite costumes are just the ones that my 
mom made for me growing up. My mom growing up would always make our Halloween costumes. Whatever we wanted to be, she would ask us like a month in advance. We'd go pick out the fabric and she would get sewing for me and my twin sister and my brother. So I think my favorite one that she made me was either a prairie girl Laura Ingalls Wilder okay. type thing. Little apron. She had a bonnet. Bonnet. Oh heck yeah, oh, I had good. a bonnet. Good. <laughs> and a little basket with flowers in it. And a like dress of like gingham and sunflowers. That was a good time. And cool. <laughs> the other one I love is my mom made my sister and I probably the last time we dressed up as the same thing was when we were in kindergarten and she made us little Cinderella dresses matching so stinking cute I love my mom for making those for us she'd let us be whatever we wanted but I was also Matilda in college for Halloween mm. and that was a good time so cool yes what what did you win an award for well so <laughs> this this costume that I won the award for was like not even very like thoughtful at all <laughs> but I this was, was seventh grade, and I dressed up as a drummer. So I had like black skinny jeans and like a flannel shirt, <laughs> and like actual drumsticks, and then like I had like all my hair like tucked up under a hat. I think I got second place out of my age group, and the library sponsored it. So I won like twenty bucks to Book World. When that was still a thing in the Sterling Mall. Ooh, yes, I remember those days. Yes, I loved Bookworld. Mm-hmm. Now there's no bookstore. Sad times. Yes. You just have to come to the library instead. It's okay. Yes, come to the library instead. And I guess probably like my best costume all time. In sixth grade, I was Rosie the Riveter. I had overalls. I had a denim shirt. I carried around like, a red toolbox the whole time. And it was actually kind of, like, inconvenient to, like, open and put candy in. So I ended up just, like, stuffing my overall pockets with, like, candy and, like, bags of chips and, like, granola bars and, like, all the fun stuff they give you. So I guess the toolbox was kind of, like, more for looks. Yeah. But it was inconvenient because I had to, like, set it on the ground and, like, open it. And then (laughs) so we didn't do that. I just, like, threw it in my pockets and, like, kept going. I bet Rosie kept some snacks in her She probably did. She's hard hard at work. So hard working. Putting in those rivets telling, in the airplanes. Telling people you know? they can do it. You know? Yes. So, yes, librarians dress up for Halloween. All the cool people dress up for Halloween. Yes. If you want to be cool, dress up. You can even dress up a day early and come to the library and show us your costume. <laughs> yes. I would love that. That'd yeah. be so fun. Yeah. Maybe I'll dress up the day before Halloween. I would love to dress up the day before Halloween. If you have a question for Ask a Librarian, send us an email with the subject line between the stacks at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. That's it for this episode. Tune in November 15th for the next one. And until then, happy reading! Between the Stacks is written and hosted by Victoria Horn and Emily Lenore. Special thanks to the entire Odell Library staff, library board, and friends of Odell. Thanks to all of our wonderful patrons who support the library. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast.